0: Welcome to Public Access America. My name is Jason. We're waiting for Jeffrey, and that gives me time to tell all of you that you can find Public Access America on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Spotify, and Radio Public. That's right. You can find our stream of positivity on Twitter at Public Access Pod. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Public Access America. And for all you podcast listeners and YouTube streamers, you can find us on Facebook. Our live stream is weekly, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, every week. What starts here changes the world.
1: Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world.
2: We are the music makers, and we
1: are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10. We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To
0: every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents
1: So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it?
0: Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. We just call him Jeffrey. What's up? Nothing. How you doing?
2: Oh, you know... <laughs> It's been a wild 36 hours, man.
0: It has. I'm considering putting this episode this Saturday just because so, I know the conversation's going to go to what's going on.
2: Oh, yeah. I think, I think that is probably a pretty good idea. Yeah, <laughs> because, right? you know, you look, at, you look at what's happening here in terms of, you know, the vote, and if there was ever any question in your mind why you should vote. <laughs> regardless of party because you know, everybody was, you know, a lot of people that I knew they were like, Oh, well the polls are showing Biden's up by 14. I'm like, did we forget about what happened in 2016? Mm-hmm. Because Hillary Clinton was up by a lot and that did not go so well.
0: <laughs> no, the, well, the popular vote didn't mean anything in that. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Um, uh, it, you know, and basically it boiled down to people stayed home and yep. if you want to win an election you got to get out and vote like you got to get your friends interested in voting you got to get your family interested in voting hmm. and Some, so
0: somebody said there was three types of people in America people that gave a shit who voted for Biden pieces of shit who voted for Trump and people that didn't give a shit, the 80 million that just didn't do anything.
2: You know, um, one of the things that is always interesting to me is like, uh, this is a topic that's come up a couple of times and it's this whole idea that, you know, the black and Latino vote was just going to go to Biden and Hmm. you're finding out that, you know, large swaths of, of that group Voted for trump yeah and and you're sitting there and you're and you know for some people, you're looking at us, and you're like, this goes against everything that we should ever know <laughs> and and this is where I tell people it's like you know the idea that identity politics is going to land you the way that you want hmm. is a fool's errand That's true. because because just because someone is black doesn't mean that they're gonna like Biden.
0: Well, just the, the thing is, is that somebody told me this, and it, it isn't personal firsthand knowledge, but a friend that, that works with minorities a lot. Mm-hmm. Black men are superior in their minds, whether they are or not. They have the same superiority that a white man has. It's just a black man feels that he's better than a white man and that he's better than any woman. I mean, generally, and that's what she, that's the conclusion she came to. And then I find, I find it amazing that Trump, Donald Trump is an entitled man and Mm -hmm. entitled men feel like they're finally getting their chance. You know what I mean? And so I wasn't surprised that younger black men that are like, you know, feeling themselves, feeling good. You know what I mean? I'm not surprised that they felt entitled and enjoyed the entitlement that Donald Trump showed, you know,
2: I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see like what the age, what the demographic breakdown looks like. I mean, we were already seeing that more white women voted for Trump this time than last time. Mm. And more black men voted for Trump and more Latinos um, voted for Trump. And I don't think, I, I think that, there you there's definitely a kernel of truth in the idea that um there are men out there that are feeling more power and more entitled right now and that's a push but i also i also see that it's i think it's more a question on the religious lines which is where like this cognitive dissonance comes to mind for me is is that you've got someone who arguably has only ever opened a bible for a photo op mm trying to, you know, lead the Jesus comeback, And it, I mean, it's clear that the dude has never a day in his life, you know, either read the Bible or practiced it in any way, shape or form, you know, at least in the past with Republicans, you had people that, they definitely had read their Bible. They knew what was up. They knew how to, they knew what they were doing. I could, I could disagree with them all day long on how they were trying to do things, Hmm. but I didn't have any question that, you know, they, actually participated in in the religious realm right trump there is no way in hell that this dude has ever been a practicing anything other than okay. practicing his you know his line sniffing abilities back in the 80s <laughs>
0: but that's just it he is the empty vessel that will do the dirty work that jesus cannot do <sighs> Ugh. yeah that's, that's the that's the phrase that pays
2: that's i mean and and unfortunately i think that's that's probably correct Mm -hmm. and and i think that you know this idea that black men and you know latino men were going to vote for you know biden as opposed to trump because of their colors is where i think every every liberal and every analyst got this wrong
0: i well i don't i think i think just thinking of it now that black men didn't care about Kamala Harris. She was a black woman and they wanted a black man. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't see that as an edge, but I do think black women had to have turned out for Biden because they're so self-aware. They're just so, they're so tough. And I think they they know the deal that's going on. And I I think they know the opportunity that's about to come about with Biden.
2: You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep you know and and i you know i know a few black women who definitely uh are not necessarily you know as trusting of kamala harris as you know, some people are, of you know, just because, you know, that's, that's a hard role, you know, trying to vote for someone, you know, who was a DA that locked up your kids. Right. That's, that's, that's a hard sell, man. That's the, a real hard the man,
0: sell. And the man that helped to write and push the bill that got allowed her to do that stuff.
2: So, which is why I tell people, it's like, number one, there's a, there's a couple of things that we got to address with this election, just hmm. right out the gate. And then number one, you know, the first thing, is that John Madden probably has the best quote for something like this. When you watch two bad teams play a bad football game and it's close, it's not because you're watching a good football game. You're watching two bad teams play bad football and right. this election was the definition of bad football. It's like watching the fucking Browns and you know god who else it was Cincinnati. terrible right now. Yeah. I, think, I, mean, I mean my Giants are pretty awful right now, so geez. I mean, it, it's, it's literally like watching, it's literally like watching that. You're not watching quality football. Well, I'm this was fan,
0: trash. So I understand what you're talking
2: about. <laughs> this was trash. This was right. trash through and through. And if you're, you know, America got to tune into primetime to watch the Browns and the giants face off and it's like, right. wow, this is, this is as good of a, you know, a primetime game as we could get. Really? Yeah,
0: I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that voted for Joe Biden with enthusiasm. It was an anti-Trump vote. And I don't know anybody that voted for Trump based, that based their vote on truth, that based their vote on policy. I think it was 401Ks and I think it was
2: sides. stocks, Stocks, 401Ks, you know, uh, hopefully the, the hope that there would be fewer taxes. That's really about it. And, 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 and I think that's, that's where so many, you know, even as an analyst, I think that's where so many people are getting it wrong. So out of the gate number two is whoever the major networks are using to do their, their polls needs to be fucking fired (laughs) because this isn't, you know, everything that, everything that we saw within 2016 was absolutely a fluke. I mean, like you couldn't like, at that point in time, you couldn't fathom being that wrong. Mm. But now here you are four years later with the same set of predictions. And I think the only thing they might get right is that Biden will win. Mm. And that's even a toss up at best.
0: But I really think it was, it was the conspiracy theory, mentality of the trump base and i think they decided that they don't trust the establishment they're not going to answer polls they're definitely not going to answer you know any democratic sort of poll and they're just they were i think they were hiding i don't think they i think they were skewing the stats purposely for this event
2: i I think that's possible and but then again you know one of the things that you also have to keep in mind in all of this is, is that if you are going to um, if you're going to have these types of polls, one of the things that you're going to have to look for and account for is number one bad data that's a data analyst speaking. Mm-hmm. And number two, you know making sure that you're getting a good representative population and and that, I think, is where they have failed in the last two major elections is is that whatever they've used in the past may have worked. But it's not working now, I think, and so you've got to change that you've got to look at what your methodology is, and you have to update it because like we've talked- like we've said before, once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence mm-hmm. and if this happens in twenty twenty four it's consistency it's a pattern, and that means that something that they're doing is not right well, and you need was, to address that before that happens
0: <laughs> step one I think is is my new theory of this year, which is monolithic theory that I'm the same as Jeffrey because we, we're both white guys. And I think we have to stop thinking that if you pull a hundred rural people in Nebraska, that that translate to a national thing in Ohio or Florida. And it's not the same. And black men are different yearly, white men, mm-hmm are different yearly. And so a white 24 year old man is not the same as a white 26 year old man despite region. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, especially like, you know, growing up in a conservative area, hell I voted Republican Mm -hmm. until I moved to larger cities. And then I was like, "Oof, okay. Yeah. This doesn't line up.
0: And I voted Democrat,
2: Republican. You know what I mean? And then and then after watching the Democrats, you know, make all of these different promises about how they were going to address things and then Mm -hmm. when it was time, you know, to pay the Piper, they were like, ooh, sorry.
0: Who are you again?
2: It was like, Wow, okay. So the Republicans are shady, the Democrats are shady.
0: Yep. Okay. But this is an opportunity for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris both to make amends and say, This is our chance to uh you know, do something right in, in a major way. I, what I saw was like Black Lives Movement protest, walking to the White House and sitting down with Biden and getting an amendment, you know what I mean, or something. And then the Women's March walking up and their representatives and just a line of protest, getting things solved. I thought that would be a nice dream, you know what I mean?
2: It would be great, you know, you know, to finally have some direct accountability. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to the, you know, at, at least, you know, Donald Trump finally built his wall around the White House. Right. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Man,
0: how much nature did he destroy? You know, how much, how much, oh man, I watched this thing and they were just destroying a mountain in Indian country you know just to build the wall in a in a place where nobody could get past that mountain
2: you know that's that sounds that sounds about right <laughs> it's just horrible it's it's absolutely insane and you know that's i think that's the 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 tagline of the 2020 election and 2020 in general it's absolutely insane like yeah Like, this has been unprecedented in ways that we never imagined. And in fact, one of my friends is going to call a moratorium on the use of the word unprecedented because we've had to say it so many times. Right. Like, it feels like it's lost its meaning. But,
0: But as a data analyst, you take the best, you take the worst, and you know that the average is going to be somewhere in between there. But if you've never had the worst, you don't know how bad it can be.
2: Oh, and that's, and that's the reality.
0: This is good for you because now you know the best who I don't know and you know the worst, you know.
2: Exactly. And 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 you know, as a scientist, you know, everything is true until it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I'm and what I'm telling people as a data analyst is is that <clears throat> the polls that have been run are not working anymore for the major networks, and right. it is time to sit down and completely revisit your methodology. I agree because because you know, and then that's just good science is the thing, you know. Being you know every time that we do something is in in the realm of science, we're doing it in such a way that we're trying to make sure and understand that we're doing it the right way because mm-hmm. it, you might be able to replicate it ninety nine times and on you know. On number one hundred, something goes wonky. Oh sure, and you sure. have to be able to you have to be able to sit down and analyze it because if you run that again and on try number one oh one, it goes wonky again. Yeah, that means that there's something in your assumption that you have to change.
0: There's something in the data collection that needs to change. It's not it's, it's not universal. Like if Facebook just put a little checkbox that says how do you vote. You know what I mean? Or what, what political party do you lean? You would have billions of people. You would have the data set to know the basic, you know what I mean?
2: Although, you know, here's where it's get. This is where it gets interesting is, is that you would have, you would have a potential data set to understand where people are at, but that doesn't translate into where people end up voting. Well, exactly. I've known, I knew quite a few Republicans this year that straight up either voted for Biden or voted for Jorgensen. Right. Because they couldn't, you know, Trump to them was not the yeah. Republican. Yeah. It, it wasn't the Republican party that they knew.
0: It isn't the Republican party at all. That's what I've been trying to say is that mm-hmm. it's, it, there's three parties that way, that way, if you're looking at it that way. Trump is not a conservative. He's not a Republican. He's surrounded himself with conservatives, and he's making deals to get the conservative agenda done, but he has no idea who's on that judge list 10 days before. You know what I mean? He's, right. not, he's hey. not thinking of immigration policy. He's sitting at his desk circling his name in newspapers and Stephen Miller's coming up with the policy. So did you vote for Stephen Miller or did you vote for Donald Trump? Did you vote for a president that you're using his intellect for your advantage or did you vote for an ignorant president and use that for your advantage?
2: And really, you know, that's what it boils, I think that's really what it boils down to, is is that Trump is in way over his head, and he's managed to surround himself with enough people that know what to do. Yes. And basically, most of the time, they're playing damage control for his tweets.
0: Yep. Some people are, but Don McGahn and Mitch McConnell, they were Mm -hmm. very successful. Donald Trump might get the credit for it, but it's Don McGahn that got all those judges through. It's Mitch McConnell that did it, you know? It wasn't Donald Trump. He He didn't get you that majority. He was just the guy that was sitting there during it, and I don't see why he gets credit. Why does he get credit for an economy that Obama saved and was just riding on steam longer than any other economy that was successful in its time, you know? You can't take credit for black unemployment when the things started eight years ago. People think you can just turn a cruise ship on a dime. And the U.S. Mm -hmm. is the biggest cruise ship on the earth. You cannot just change policies radically right or radically left. You can't. You can't turn a boat like that.
2: I would say, I w- and I would agree with that to an extent. There are some policies that, absolutely, you, if you're going to make the change, it's going to take time for it to work its way through the system. But there are some policies that you do change, and that, and that turns things immediately. I think hmm. it's it's. I, I think our understanding has been in the past that you know, thanks to the way things have been done, sans technology, mm-hmm. the the correct assumption that it would take about four years for policy to, you know, turn the course of the ship was accurate, yeah. but in a digital realm, it's, it's only partially true. There are certain things that, yes, absolutely. It's going to take some time for that to work its way through the system, but there are some things that, Will immediately have effect. You know, I would say that sure. the tax policies definitely had an effect immediately, yeah. and I would say that and um, some of the deregulation stuff had an effect immediately. Yeah, because yeah. Um, criminalizing
0: you saw, amnesty that that had an effect immediately.
2: Exactly. So there are some things good and bad that. We've been able that that have changed that have had an effect immediately. Like
0: but that didn't change that didn't change the cru- <clears> the ship. That's what I'm saying. It just made us all go ah oh, crap! In the waves, we're turning, but it didn't turn the cruise ship like like everybody had hoped. We're not suddenly going in a different direction.
2: Um, I would say that that is I would say that that is only partially accurate. You know, when when Donald Trump did some of his deregulation and his tax change work there was an immediately there was an immediately uh immediate turn northwards in terms of the economy mm. you know things had been growing steady but slow the stuff that the stuff that you know the administration enacted allowed a lot of quick growth yeah, but of it turned what on i the
0: turbines p- but it didn't change the course
2: it did well not really no but where it really did change the course was the lack of policy surrounding how you deal with coronavirus. Oh, yeah. yeah. That changed the ship course that real was, fast. That was the iceberg. And and, <laughs> and so that's why I tell people it's like it's it's partially true, it's partially not. You know, some of the other stuff that he's tried to do, that'll take a lot of time to work its way through the system before it's really active, you know, like some of the criminal justice reform stuff that the Republicans have tried to push through. That's not going to come through, you know, right away. That's going to take some time. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. And I think that they, I think that they tried to get some stuff right, but I also think that it's going to come back to bite us in the ass again, like the last crime bill did. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, of course, cause things change and we're trying to, regulate law for a diverse population in a moving timeline you know mm-hmm. you can't it's like trying to touch a fucking slippery worm you're not going to hit it you're not going to get it you know
2: <laughs> right so you know i would say that you know some of the deregulation and the tax policies definitely had an immediate effect yeah the, the economy was growing it just took off faster but none of the safeguards were in place to ensure that that growth stuck around. That's and true. so when and when so when coronavirus hit it was it was, you know, full stop just Damn. crushed everything. I would also say that his trade policy with China was I wouldn't say, you know, immediate full stop, but we saw how quickly those things took effect and started to slow down the economy. The moment that those terrorists kicked in, it started hitting the brakes real hard on on certain industries.
0: And people don't even realize that that farmers committed suicide because they couldn't sell the soybeans they were growing that now the whole market for soybeans has gone to Brazil and China's buying from them and they will never buy from us again.
2: Nope. And, and, that's unfortunately the game that you play when, when you try to, I don't know what really he was trying to do. I, I think that the only right thing that they tried to do was address the issue of forced technology transfer. Read. That was the only, I, I would say that that had to be addressed. Absolutely 100%. That had to be taken care of. But everything else that got attempted after that That was us just shooting ourselves in the foot.
0: There was like a whole year of Mexico. I'm going to tariff you. Canada. I'm going to tariff you. You sell more milk to us than we do. You know. And I looked at like, I looked at the uh, back and forth with Canada. The service industry that Canada provides to us equals it out. It's like, that's what you're trying to do with these tariffs is keep everything even. It's not trying to gain an advantage. And by the way, the, the World Bank organization deemed Donald Trump's tariffs illegal. Yeah.
2: And, and, and that's, and the reality of tariffs are tariffs are just an additional tax put on the people. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's so guess what? Out. I would argue that the, that the way that this administration did, it didn't work that way. It was, right. you know, It was was purely punitive. It was purely ego driven. It was not about any sort of real harm or real issue that was occurring. Like I said, the only issue that really needed to be addressed with China was the forced technology transfers. Mm. Yeah, our trade policy with Canada and Mexico is pretty wonky and that needed to be addressed, but I'm pretty sure that the way that the Republicans addressed it was not good. I think that that's going to come back to bite us in the ass.
0: Well, because yeah, the new NAFTA is heavily written by pharmaceutical industries.
2: You uh, know. That one I think is going to come back and really screw us.
0: Yes. And so here's my trade deal with Mexico. We're going to remove the wall. We're going to remove the border and we're going to spend 10 years equalizing. I'm, I'm a big proponent of removing the Southern border. I really am, I think it just costs way too much to maintain that separation. And I think it'll equal out. I think 11 million Mexican immigrants here would love to go home, you know what I mean? And I think I think our law enforcement would just love the easy access to get rid of some of these cartels. And I think Mexico would love that too. I think if we just stayed out of their business and let them run things like a state, I think it could be beneficial.
2: I, I'm i close with you on that. Um, i really methodology is the big difference. I People feel like the there, idea. there, there are two things that have to be addressed before, you know, we could potentially look at what an open border might look like. I think oh. number one issue, number one is what do drugs in America look like? Like I think our, that's our biggest problem right now. And Hmm. let's be realistic. The war on drugs has been an absolute freaking failure.
0: Hell yeah. Mexico, they make avocados, make my weed. You know what I mean?
2: I'm, you know, with as many states that legalized recreational this time around. Welcome to Mississippi, baby. (laughs) Montana, Arizona, you know it's to me it's one of those things it's like the feds need to get on board and oregon they decriminalized possession of all drugs up to a certain amount i love that i mean the reality of that is is that if you're going to call drugs a problem you have to you have to stop treating the people that are abusing them as criminals Mm -hmm. and start treating them as people who need behavioral health
0: yeah exactly you're never people who
2: are Distributing on the other hand, like the hard shit, yeah, those guys are criminals.
0: <laughs> that's also, that's my, that's part of my getting rid of the border thing is like, we, our FBI can't go there, right? Our law enforcement can't track somebody over there. We can watch them, but we can't stop them. They could have a supply, you know, chain going like El Chapo did. And we can't do anything because of how far in Mexico it is, but without a border, you know, there'd be a different relation. Now, what do what do I think about the border? I think we should build a giant military base, right, on mm. some of the border, and I think it should be, I think it should be somewhere where we train South, South American and Mexican, Canadian and American troops right? Mm-hmm. So that there's an international feel to the protection in the hemisphere. And I think mm-hmm. that would be a great thing to do. It would eliminate a lot of the border crossing. Well, people aren't going to want to cross anyway, but you know what I mean? It would stop a lot of the cartels because you're not going to try and dig a tunnel under a bombing range. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> That's also true. But that, that and that kind of goes to my second point is, is that, <clears throat> If you want the idea of an open border and not have a floodgate into the United States, hmm. we have a perfect opportunity right now in that if you're tired of dealing with China and their shady shit it's for time sure. to start investing in our neighbors yes. you, know, you know i'm there are plenty of there are plenty of people in Mexico that are looking for real good, honest work yes. And until we start actually investing in our hemisphere like that and getting people to work in our hemisphere like that, build these fact, you know, Mexico is in a great place, you know, in terms of, you could build solar very easily and, you know, have all of these manufacturing positions be, you know, clean powered. That's right. So
0: that's what I'm tired of. It's an untapped region. Like you're saying, instead of China, Mexico.
2: And, and, and put it closer to home. That way we're not reliant (laughs) on the Chinese.
0: Right. And it, it cuts on transportation costs. And honestly, here's what I see Mm -hmm. happening. You release the border. Yes. Millions of Mexicans come to America, Mm -hmm. but then the jobs go to the border. They go closer, they go into Mexico, but they stay as close to US as possible. And yeah. that starts urbanizing. And then everybody that ran here, along with 11 million people that live here and send money home, they drift down there. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I don't want them here. I love them here. There right. is one thing that I don't love about the Spanish community or Latino community or Mexican community. I think they're awesome. I just think there needs to be an equalization. like we bring people from Venezuela here, we clean up Venezuela, we send them back, they're Americanized. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, Venezuela, Yeah, wrong (laughs) example. I meant like, Venezuela, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and really, you know, that's, we just have to get past the idea that, you know, we gotta stop taking, you know, we gotta stop trying to find our advantage in China. (laughs)
0: Mm, Yes
2: because as we've come to find out that really bit us in the ass
0: and it's just cheap labor, but we're paying the cost for it.
2: it's not necessarily cheap labor. It's slave labor in a lot of cases. Well,
0: yeah, but transportation costs, the, the supply oh, chains, the, uh, tariffs, mm. everything that goes from that slave labor to us makes the price ridiculous for what you're getting and what, for what work is being done for it. You know, mm-hmm.
2: and, 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 by doing that we've, uh, we've made China the power that they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, you know, and that's, and to me that is the great irony in all of this is, is that, you know, for a bunch of people who hate commies, they're sure happy that we've been able to take advantage of commies to, you know, make them the second largest power behind us. Right. And it's like, um, (laughs) you know, what happened to the days of we don't do business with commies, you know?
0: Right. Of course, I don't, I'm not saying they're even a communist regime anymore.
2: Oh, they're terrible at communism.
0: Yeah. They use the name, but I mean, they're, they're, they're capital, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know what they're, they, they, they have control. They're a bit like socialism in where you yeah. have to, they have to have a majority control of any business, right? Mm-hmm. And. They're, but they're a bit like communism as to where they, their leaders last forever and their people are subjugated into poverty. But they're a lot like capitalism too, whereas they are free to trade with anybody in the world that they want.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, really, they're not a, they're not a command economy like, like the old Soviet Union was. Right. And, and that's to their benefit. I think that's where they've realized, they realized that the way that the Soviets ran things was you know, not the way to do it. But unfortunately, you know, what a lot of Americans stopped thinking about was whether or not, you know, having a communist country uh, as your trading partner was a good idea. You know, to me, it's, you know, on the world stage, we should be trading with whoever, you know, obviously there are going to be reasons why we want to trade with, you know, uh, China or with Vietnam or any other communist country, Cuba, for example. Sure. But in the realm of economic power, by allowing that door open, you allow that door to show you something that you might not like. And that something that you might not like has been very well known.
0: And we're giving them the money to build their economy. And just to simplify for people, the longer the product is, the further away that the product is made, the higher the cost of transportation is, which which in turn raises the cost, not by much, but if you had the labor in China closer to America and you could eliminate the cost of transportation, you could raise the cost of labor slightly and still lower the cost of the product. I hope people followed that because I think it made sense to me.
2: No, I know, I know exactly what you were saying, and it made sense. Okay. It's so, but you also have to remember that, you know, in this case, <clears throat> the difference between the labor of you know someone in Mexico versus the labor of, in someone in China is vastly different. Oh, I'm sure. It's, you know, and and. I would say that the difference is, is you know, at least in Mexico, they're you know they're not using slave labor. They're not telling you what you know what you're going to get paid, right. and have it barely be you know survivable.
0: That's right. That's right. We work for Mexican wages here, just so you know. A lot of people are working for seven fifty eight dollars an hour, and with the cost of living and everything else that goes in it, that puts you well below the poverty line. And, that's what Mexicans are dealing with too.
2: Mm-hmm. And and really, you know, I by investing in Mexico and uh, doing things like that, yes, building building things closer to home. When you have a pandemic like this, you know there there are some things that you know you should be making in America that you know you have access to and have stockpiles to. Right but there's, but there's a lot of things that we could be doing in Mexico that would really, really make life better for them and for us.
0: Like literally everything in the dollar store,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? I mean, I get plates for a dollar because they're from China. I'll pay $2 if they're from Mexico, make it the $2 store. (laughs) right?
2: It's like, I don't have a problem, you know, buying, you know, spending a little bit more on something, you know, to have it, a be better quality or B, you know, to know that I'm investing in my neighbors. Like, right. unfortunately it's, we've gotten so used to buying everything that's coming out of China that it's like, that's a mm-hmm. hard thing to, that's a hard, that's a hard habit to break. Yeah, but the, that's the thing. And I think
0: everybody knows this. If you've ever bought a toy for your kid at Walmart, it's going to break. There's a, there's a lifespan to the products that you're buying. And Mm -hmm. the thing about American products was they were always American tested and customer service was close, the return policies, the maintenance on it, it was always in the area. And so, yeah, it cost a little more, but it was gonna last a vacuum. Debbie and I talked about this. A mm-hmm. vacuum cleaner, a rich person can afford the best vacuum cleaner and hence only buys one every 10 years, whereas a poor person has to buy the crappy vacuum cleaner and it only lasts two years. So who's actually saving money in the long run? And. You no, know what I mean I don't know it's expensive
2: being poor it's expensive being poor, yes, it is you it, and and even you know even the policies that you know come out of that, like for example you know rates rates are predatory against poor people, you know I understand that you know what you're dealing with is the risk that you might not make any money right. or you might you might lose money by by working with someone who's poor, but there's a point to which they're so predatory that it just becomes expensive to be poor
0: yes and i want to say the one thing i loved about elizabeth warren and i was really bummed about this whole four years was the consumer protection agency and the deregulation and destruction of that specific agency she created it and that's why i love her for that and i love her mind for that and it protected us and i'm watching i considered Three years ago, opening a payday loan store because I had some extra money, I could loan somebody a thousand dollars and get five thousand dollars back in a month. You know, so I mm-hmm. thought about that because it wasn't it wasn't criminal anymore. They were holding meetings on how to best uh, be predatory at Trump locations. You know what I mean?
2: Right, and that's that's the rough part. Is is that you know that what that does is that keeps a poor community poor. Mm-hmm. You know, it ain't rich people going in and using these payday loans. No.
0: No. But that's the thing is that y- yeah, you can stick to the people with the perfect credit score, but guess what? That's only half the half the population or less, right? So Exactly. The market you have as customers is really small and really competitive, but if you open your market to poor people, there's a
2: lot of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's where it gets tough. You know, yes. you, 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 uh, from a risk perspective, it's like you want to charge the rate that you know that number one, if suddenly they go, if they go belly up, you know, you've at least made back your investment, if not a little bit more. Of course. But also too, you know, that it's just a dangerous, you know, it's just an inherent risk of trying to help someone who's trying to get out of whatever straits they've found themselves in. And unfortunately, like the way that the payday loan sector has worked has just been. Oof.
0: Oh, I agree. If there was, and that's what I always wanted. Like I wanted to clean my credit up.
2: Mm-hmm. I see
0: commercials all the time for people that want to clean my credit up, but I don't trust them. I have to give them my social security number and I don't know who they are no, I'm not doing that. I'd rather just stay in debt. You know what I mean?
2: You know, or, or, you know, really look into your community a bit more to find out what options you have. You know, Mm -hmm. some, some credit unions, you know, have their own version of payday lending Mm -hmm. that is a lot less predatory. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's based on the risk of them not getting their money back. Then, then, and unfortunately, rather than hurting a big bank, you're hurting your community by doing that. Mm. But basically they've, they're trying to find solutions that keep people from having to struggle, you know, against the, the, these payday lenders that it's like, you you ask for 500 bucks, you pay back a thousand. That's wow. Ouch. That's ouch. Right. Mm,
0: That's not fair. So I did want to touch on something going a different direction, but involving the Mm -hmm. election, but I think, I think it's over and I feel really good about it, but I want to talk about it and to get past it because I think, I think it was weighing on everybody's minds in a weird sort of way. Like we were at war with Russia for the past four years, five years, and Mm -hmm. they weren't throwing bombs at us, but they were, they, they, shut down hospitals during this election and it's it you know it traces back to russia and they they attacked our infrastructure they they went into dams and power grids and they made adversarial moves they attacked us they attacked us on our homeland and i think people knew it but didn't want to admit it and they were worried about the election and russian interference and i was like what the fuck, Russia? Just get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Why are you here? And it's over, I think, because I don't think they have any reason to do what they're doing. But so Russia's plan was to get us sick and weak and confused and vulnerable. And they did it. You know what I mean? They got, they started the anti-vaxxer conspiracies They're the QAnon conspiracies with 17,000 retweets of the word QAnon. They're the ones that were attacking us and sowing discord in us. And we got past it. I don't know how we did it, Jeffrey. I don't know how we did it. It's like a drunk trying to get home. I woke up in bed.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a fun one. Yeah. <clears throat> I think... You know, unlike years past, we've had so much going on in 2020 that it's so easy to just be like, okay, Russia's fucking with us today. Cool. Next. Right. We've gotten so used to the idea that tomorrow is going to be somehow worse than today. <laughs> right. And it's not a healthy mindset. But. The the stuff from Russia has never stopped and I'm going to say right now that we need to start treating old commies like old commies and that's exactly how Russia's acting. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that they're a little nervous because if, if Trump loses, Biden's going to come after them hard and, and he's going to make you. it, he is going to make it, miserable for them. Thank you. And that has to happen. The yes. what has been going unchecked from Russia has got to be addressed. Yes. And Trump has not been willing to do that. And surprisingly the Republican party has not been willing to do that. Right. Like like that in and of itself <clears throat> should be really concerning just because you know Russia's not a communist country anymore. That doesn't make them our friends.
0: But Vladimir fact, Putin is a communist.
2: Oh yeah, uh, you know, he definitely, he said some shit that has really like made me wonder like what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Like for example, where he, he talked about how he thought that the dissolution of the Soviet Union was illegal. And I'm like, um, what? Yeah. Like, and a bunch, of, a bunch of the old former Soviet bloc countries got real nervous about that.
0: Yeah. And some of them got taken over.
2: Yep. Yeah. So and People I don't
0: realize that we've been at war with Russia for years in Ukraine and in Georgia. And it doesn't, it's that same thing. I don't care if Donald Trump's a racist. Racists think he is. It doesn't matter if we don't think we're at war with Russia. Russia thinks we're at war with Russia.
2: And, you know, that has been an absolute problem. Yeah. Russia has gotten to run unchecked. And now that they're looking at the fact that they're probably going to get checked real hard, real hard. Like suddenly they're backing off. You know, they thought they had, they thought Trump had more momentum than he did.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and here's the interesting thing. I think that the, the, uh, the jumping the shark of the plan was the paper ballots. I think Mm -hmm. the COVID thing, got people to mail in and you can't adjust, like you might be able to get into voting booths in Wisconsin to change the digital totals, but you can't change paper. Amy Klobuchar said that you can't hack paper. And I think that freaked them both out, Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. And I think they were like, oh, we just
2: screwed up mm-hmm. to me. Yep. <coughs> so. It's going to come back to bite them in the ass hard. And thank God for that.
0: Thank God for that. And I want everybody that's listening to know that that is the stress. That's the tingle I'm feeling in my body is the fact that, I mean, that pissed me off that Russia was in our stuff, you know? And I don't think, I think half the country didn't care, but a foreign adversary is attacking us on our homeland. And half of our country is like, that's democracy and it isn't. And so I wanna put Russia back in check. I am gonna be so happy when Vladimir Putin is crying and he gets out of fucking Ukraine and he gets out of France's elections and he, we check him as the United Front should. Mm-hmm. That's exciting.
2: Russia has gotten to do what they have done for the last four years because, you know, someone has been real fanboy over, you know, all of these hardcore dictators mm-hmm. and now suddenly they're up against the reality that the, what they thought was going to be trump you know the trump train 2020 roll into an easy win like last time right not not going to be the case
0: no and I think it was the paper ballots. I honestly do.
2: <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the things that I've told people countlessly is, is that there is no reason why we shouldn't be sending out ballots like we did, letting people get their vote done in early mm-hmm. and go get their vote tabulated early.
0: That's right. All
2: year. I wouldn't say all year because simply because it's just, you know, timing of, of everything. It takes a lot of time to ramp up, uh, you know, get a ballot ready. Mm. And even then, you know, there's always stuff that comes in last minute that's going to change your mind. And That's true.
0: I'm thinking of my app. I want an app with a central super protected server so that everybody can just vote, you know, and I think that would help the analytics of the polling, you know, like potentially. right now people are have this click and you can change it all the way up until the day of the election. I think that would be cool.
2: I, and unfortunately to me, like, you know, looking at it from an analyst and an InfoSec perspective, I just, it's, to me, it's yeah. still a bad idea. At this
0: point. Riddled with holes, right?
2: Oh God, you know, holier than Donald Trump's <laughs> freaking defense.
0: Well, paper ballots, I like that. I think we should have universal vote, voting, make it easier. I think we should give felons the right to vote, by the way. I think we should give prisoners the right to vote. And I actually think we should reduce the age to 16.
2: I will counter you by saying, I don't think we should be taking anybody's right to vote away yes. with the exception of those that are guilty of voter fraud.
0: Yes. Right.
2: I don't, you know, a prisoner is still an American and that's... and to me, the, the right to vote, whether or not you're incarcerated, shouldn't change.
0: Who wants more change? Who wants, who <clears throat> is more driven to fix the system than the guy that's being oppressed by it?
2: Yeah. And which is why, you know, people are okay with prisoners not being able to vote. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But to me, like, you know, the only time that you should be punished to the point where you cannot vote is if you are actively participating in voter fraud. And guess what? Probably going to be quite a few rich white dudes that are going to find themselves without a vote.
0: (laughs) Yes. And so the last thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that the Senate is, we're not the dynamic Democrats aren't going to get the Senate. I had this dream that the Democrats were going to get the Senate. Nancy Pelosi was going to walk in and say here 's h r one pass it, and we had voter we cleaned up our elections, we made them public, all that stuff that was in h r one protecting ourselves from Russia, and, you know, and then everything else. the Heroes Act. here comes the three point one billion for the people, all that other stuff it's going to be run right and now Mitch McConnell is planning. To obstruct cabinet, you know Joe Biden's new cabinet.
2: Of course, I mean that's that's just yeah, you know, that's just Republican one oh one and Democrat one oh one. Just mm. obstruct. Well, and I, that's and that's and that's why the current system is broken. Yeah. Is is that is it's with only two parties in power? It's like unless you have total control of both House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. and the executive, it's just going to be obstruction central. And yes. that is a giant problem.
0: Well, Mitch McConnell's a Tea Party guy. He wants the Senate to fall. He hates big, he, he wants the destruction of all government, basically. you know, He wants to go back to more of the state's rights, which is a libertarian sort of thing on fucking steroids. But the the obstruction to hurt people just, it drives me crazy. The planning ahead of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the the mm-hmm. the Republican party as it stands right now is a post-policy party. They are obstructionist. All they want to do is stop things and prevent things and they don't care what it is.
2: Mm-hmm. I would, I would agree that they're just an obstructionist party at this point. I mean, but I would also say that that's what the Democrats are too, you know, it just depends on, it just depends on which systems in power, because yeah. we, we saw, we've seen that with we've We've seen that with the Republicans being in power we've seen that with the Democrats being in power. All they do is just obstruct each other. There's mm-hmm. really not a whole lot of let's there's not a there's not a whole lot of starting with what do we agree on and let's try and build and negotiate from there. Right. It's simply this party has put out something this party's going to obstruct yeah. and that's how we keep finding ourselves in these shit shows but I you mean know, create- there is no compromise between the two parties. Anymore
0: creating a bill that, you know, the other party isn't even going to debate. That's not doing anything that's running in place. And that's what the Democrats do. They run in place and they say, I'm running a sprint, you know?
2: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's virtue signaling. It's, it's all you're doing is you're, you're, you're not actually trying to get anything done. You're just trying to put on a show. So that way, you know, you can give yourself a pat on the back and feel good about the fact that you didn't get shit done. Right and the Republicans do the same damn thing too. Oh, well, we tried to do all these cuts, but the Democrats, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you didn't start anywhere that you knew that this would be negotiable. You just went for the extreme, just so that way you could give yourself a pat on the back and, you know, think about how your voter base is going to throw more money at you while you jerk yourself off to sleep. Right. It's
0: all about the money.
2: It, it was it was never about actually getting anything done and which is why both parties, both are obstructionist, both don't want to get anything done mm-hmm. unless they have total control of the house, the Senate and the executive. Yeah. And that is, that's where we're at. Yeah. And until we have multiple parties yes. that co- that uh, people have to build coalitions on in order to get things done. Yes we're not going to have any sort of compromised government. Anybody who thinks that Joe Biden is going to enact the radical left agenda in the next four, oh, fuck off. Nothing's going to get fucking done. Just like nothing got fucking done the last four years. And people are going to jerk themselves off thinking, oh yeah, I really tried when they really didn't. And that doesn't matter whether you tried to introduce something or stop something. That's all that's going to happen. And we're going to hear about it for the next four years nothing is going to get done that's very useful. Biden's going to be a one-term president. He doesn't have any designs on being multiple terms, Mm -hmm. whether Kamala runs or ends up getting in office because Biden croaks, who knows, but both parties are just a disaster right now. And what I'm telling people is, is that the road to 2024 starts now. Yes. If you want want different policy, if you want change, if you want new parties, it starts today (laughs) because, because nothing is going to get fixed in the next four years. That's basically it. You know, the Republicans are, you know, the Republicans in the Senate are going to stall everything as much as they can. The Democrats in the house are going to introduce bills that are so lofty that, The Senate is just going to be like, yeah, no, that ain't happening. Mm -hmm. We're just going to find ourselves in these horrible stalemates where Biden doesn't get anything done.
0: That's right. And I want to say, I want to say on that, go local. You know? Yes. I think we should start more parties and new ideas. And I'm going to ask you for your party name coming up because mine is right too because you gotta fight for your right to party. I think it's, it <laughs> writes its own slogan. And you know how my agenda is, but I think we need to go local. I, need think, I think we need to invade these spaces. I think we need to create new parties as well as infiltrate the old parties and change them from the inner, inside like Neo did to uh, the agent in the matrix. You know, we need to go in there and change their values from the inside, but we need to start small. We need to practice. We can't just amateur politics in the Senate. You know what I mean? But we can amateur politics in our commission meetings, in our aldermen, in our mayors, in our staff, in in the local level.
2: I would say that if I were to create my own party, <clears throat> it would be, um, I would call it the as much as I don't like it, I would call it, it would either be called a centrist party or the scale party mm. and our symbol would be, you know, the scales like the, what, you know, justice holds. Yes, Because the idea is, is that this should be balanced. That's Agreed. all that this should be, but everybody keeps trying to balance to one side or the other. Mm. And why do you think these wild swings are existing? Yeah. You know, it, I it's think it pathetic. was Ruth it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg who said that justice is a pendulum and it swings. And when it swings hard to the left, it eventually swings hard to the right.
0: That's right. And that's the thing is we're like, be scared of them, and they're all, everybody's running to one side, and then the other side's like, No, be scared of them, so everybody's running back. It's just ultra chaos. And
2: it's, there's it's this how you capsize a boat.
0: There's this something called proportional representation which I'd like to start discussing over the next four years, and approval voting or rank voting.
2: Rank voting.
0: These are ways to gauge the worth of a candidate in the party, and proportional representation allows more than just two parties to sit in a Congress. And you can have, much like the English do with their... uh, You know, they have multiple parties, and you have to build a consensus within that. And to that, Ryan Main's party's name was the Labor Party, because Mm -hmm. he wanted to take from England. And Joe Main, by the way, was the guillotine party. He thinks Mm -hmm. we should wheel a guillotine out into the square and punish people like Trump for doing what they do. And that would deter the others. So those are the four parties people have to choose from. We're gonna pick more, you know what I mean? And maybe over the next four years, we're gonna have debates under these names, you know? I like this. We'll start logos for our party. I want everybody listening. Come up with a new party name, come up with a party, or join somebody else, but nobody's got the same ideals as you, you know what I mean?
2: Right, right. And, and really, you know, I will say, Again, what I've said a thousand times, the first the first person who figures out how to use social media, podcasts, YouTube, Facebook Live, any of it, to sit down and have these conversations one-on-one with various constituents, they're going to be the person that, everybody's going to feel that they know intimately enough to vote mm. for in the presidency. Yeah. And I guarantee you the first time someone figures out how to do that, they will win in a landslide, whether or not you like them or not. Yeah.
0: That was no. my thought. That was how, what I did with in 2018. I told these people attack ads are going to come out in the general. You want people to know who you are before that attack happens so that it slides off of them. And I would like Abigail Spamberger, Jennifer Zimmerman, Lauren Underwood. I reached out to these women and I told them, you need to just be out there more. You know, I sent a message to Better O'Rourke and told him the same thing. You need, People need to know who you are because the attacks are going to be awful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: And that's and that's exactly it. Is is that uh, you know with with that being out there open and in public, you know not only do you have you know essentially a record of what has been said now but people are going to feel like they get to know you intimately. They're going to feel like they could support you. And if someone does present an attack ad, you're going to have people that are going to be willing to defend you.
0: And you'll have the tape to back you up and your, your opinions and views can be altered in this time in the next four years by real people, not by money. And then you're accountable. Yep, I like it. I'm running for president in 2024. Jeffrey's running for president in 2024. I'm in the right two party. He's in the scale party. Which one of us would you like to get to know? Thank you for listening.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And in the end, you know, I, I feel that when it comes down to whoever wins, we've got to stop this whole idea of, we're only going to bring in our party friends Mm -hmm. in order to create a cabinet. Some of the best, some of the best presidents out there, they brought in people from the far left to the far right and flat out said, you know, the reason that you're all here is because you're the smartest people in the room and we're going to come up with a solution that works for this country, not for one party or one specific group of people. Mm -hmm. And until we stop, you know, each of these political parties just stoking themselves with their own sounding board. And you know, it, it comes back down to the whole idea of compromise until we start actually talking to each other and start interacting with each other and start negotiating with each other from what we all want the goal to be. Right if we don't start there we're just going to get to see more posturing more virtue signaling more yelling at the other side for not allowing us to get anything done while the other side yells that what you started with is unrealistic and i mean i'm so used to this playbook at this point it's it's predictable someone in the house is going to put something out there that's huge the senate's going to say no way in hell Vice versa, the Senate's going to do something Mm -hmm. that's absolutely huge. The House is going to say, no way in hell. And everybody's just going to pat themselves on on the back for a job not done. And that's really all it is. And people should be pissed about that and tired of that.
0: They should be. And you know, the weird thing is, is Joe, Joe Biden got the most votes a presidential candidate ever got with 80 million. 80 million is the exact same number of people that didn't vote at all.
2: Crazy to think.
0: It's crazy to think that there is, there's a market for a third party out there and Mm. it's 80 million people. You just got to reach them. And Mari said, I'm going to wrap up on this and then I'll give you your final thought. Mari said that the Democrats attempt to grab Democrat and Republican voters when they should be going Democrat and non-voter. They should spend the next four years trying to get the non-voter and stop trying to get the Republican. Because when you compromise with a Republican, you go further right. And the Democrat party goes, they compromise and they constantly go further to the right when they should stop compromising with fascists and start compromising with the voter that didn't vote. Okay, the floor is yours and then I know you gotta get to work.
2: I think, I think that the next four years has to be about showcasing to the voter why voting is important because if you're tired of what you're seeing, not voting is not an option. And I think that there are people out there that need to realize that the reason why these non-voters are not voting is because they see nothing in these two parties that makes it worth voting for. And so really I think the hardest work is going to be talking to non-voters and finding out, you know, <clears throat> if you were to build your own political party, what would it look like? Yes. Who, who would you want to see in charge? Yes. Who, what ideas resonate the best with you? Yes. You know, and, and until we figure out what that ground looks like, it's just gonna be more of the same. And the, the people that we need voting need to actually be have a platform to speak up and tell us why and mm-hmm. tell us what's happening. It could be anything from disenfranchisement to, they just, you know, it's you're, you're, all you're going to do is watch two bad teams play bad football and they would rather turn the TV off. Me too. I don't blame them.
0: But you just described the whole reason I created Public Access America and the whole network. So thank you for that. I love you, <laughs> Jeffrey. Love you, too. I'll let you get to work and then I'll just do my wrap up. Thanks for That's being here, though yep we'll talk to you next week <laughs> <laughs> and everybody thank you for listening to public access america we are on spotify and apple podcasts we are on tune in radio player fm google play TuneIn radio the stitcher smart radio app soundcloud and Radio Public. There's so many of them, I might have repeated a couple. You can find Public Access America on Instagram and YouTube, and you can find Public Access America on Twitter at Public Access Pod. You can find us here next week, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, where we're going to have these discussions. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. I hope this mattered to you. I hope we did something good. I hope we sparked an idea. But now is the time. November 4th, November 5th, November 5th already. We're falling behind. We need to start doing this. We need to start creating something different and we only really have three years to do it. Thanks for listening.
2: Yay. To
1: those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it as Yes, we can. What your husband can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your husband. Five poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about it ain't how, about hard, you how you hard you hit. Hard. It's, it's about how hard you beat. Take and keep moving forward. Moving how much forward. you can take and keep moving, That's moving forward. That's how winning it's done.
0: Welcome to Public Access America. America.
1: Yes, we can. yes, we can.
0: Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We
1: wanted to run out of that tunnel of that. For, my for my dad. On my
0: dad. Twitter podcast, the Stitcher Smart Smart Radio app, and Spotify. Yes, we can. can. Public Access America. History History in the making. Making history in the making.